Hi, I'm Tedra Meyer, Vermont Edition producer, and I wanted to let you know that the podcast you're about to listen to has been edited for clarity and brevity. Thanks for listening and enjoy. This is Vermont Edition. I'm Connor Cyrus. Summer doesn't officially start until June, and it's snowing in parts of Vermont today. But that doesn't mean we can't dream about or talk about summer activities like boating. Vermonters use their lakes for many different things in the summer. Swimming, kayaking, fishing, water skiing, and just sitting by the shore enjoying the beauty. Now there are relatively new things people are doing on some Vermont lakes. It's called wakeboarding or wake surfing, and it uses a specific kind of boat that creates a large wake. And this relatively new use has stirred up some conflict. A group of lake users got together and petitioned the state to limit the use of wake boats on some lakes, arguing they are environmentally bad for the lakes, not to mention dangerous for swimmers and other users. Over the past year, the, Vermont, the Department of Environmental Conservation has been drafting, with the help of public comment, new rules about how and where wake boats can be used on Vermont's lakes. If these are approved, they would be some of the strictest wake boat regulations in the country. Here to help us understand the proposed rules and what went into them is Oliver Pearson, Lakes and Ponds Project Manager with the Vermont Department of Environmental Conservation. Oliver, welcome to Vermont Edition. Thanks, Connor. Great to be here. Now, Oliver, before we get into wake boats, can you tell us, as program manager for lakes and ponds at the Department of Environmental Conservation, what is your job, broadly speaking? Sure. So the DEC Lakes and Ponds program is is responsible for permitting, monitoring, control of aquatic invasive species, and restoring lake and pond shorelines throughout the state. We have about 12 staff that work on those activities year-round. We benefit from a lot of volunteer programs that support us with monitoring and aquatic invasive species prevention efforts. And regarding use of public waters, um, the use of public waters rule is administered by DEC and, and the Lakes and Ponds program is responsible for any potential changes uh, to that rule. And so the use of public water rule basically defines what activities are permissible and what activities are prohibited on the state's 800-plus uh, lakes and ponds. Um, so that's, that's basically what, we're, what we do. We're very lucky to be in the role of, of essentially stewarding these fantastic resources that Vermonters and our, our visitors are lucky to benefit from. Now, for listeners who maybe haven't seen one before, what is a wake boat and how does it differ from other types of boats found in Vermont lakes? Sure. Well, a, a wake boat is a type of motorized vessel or a type of motor boat that is built to have an enhanced wake. And it does that frequently with, with an inboard propulsion system that's referred to as a V-drive. But it's a, it's a propulsion system that generates a very large wake. The boat also has ballast tanks that fill up with water to, to make the boat very heavy and capable of displacing more water. And the combination of, of a very strong inboard propulsion system and these ballast tanks and sometimes some additional wake-enhancing devices on the extremities of the boat create a wake that's large enough to, to wakeboard behind with a rope. But believe it or not, they're also large enough to, to wake surf behind without a rope. And so these boats, in, in what I call wake surf mode, 
you know, move at a, at a speed slower than, say, a water ski boat. They move at about 10 to 12 miles per hour in a very linear direction uh, on a lake or a pond and generate a very large wake, which you can surf behind. Um, so it's, it's an activity that, you know, is, is growing in popularity, but because of the large wake, because of the, the angle of the boat with the bow sort of pointed upwards and therefore the, the propeller wash pointed downwards um, creates some specific challenges for our lakes and ponds. And then, and then finally, the ballast tanks, which contain water, <clears throat> are, are not easy or it's really not possible to fully drain them when you leave, when the boat leaves a, a lake, say, uh, on a trailer. And they, they have the potential to carry critters, uh, aquatic, including aquatic invasive species, in the ballast tanks. And so really our, our, our concerns with wake boats have to do with the, the large wakes, um, and both environmental and safety concerns they cause, as you alluded to, and the potential transport of aquatic invasive species in the ballast tanks from one lake to another, which is really a vector for, for spread of these invasive species, which is something that we're very concerned about. That was a lot of information. And so I just want to get our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with boat culture a little caught up on maybe some of the terms that you use and really um, explain what we're talking about. So first of all, when we're talking about a wake, we're talking about the waves behind the boat. And that's kind of what people are riding on um, when they're recreating on boats, specifically wakeboarding and wake surfing. Another thing I want to talk about is this boat, this wake boat, when you talk about the ballast and you talk about um, it, it works differently, what you're saying is that really like the back of the boat is going into the water and creating, um, I guess, more disturbances in the, the bottom of the lakes, right? And like, can you explain that for our listeners? Sure, yeah. If you've seen a water ski boat, which people might be more familiar with, when those are operating at high speed, they're operating on a plane or, or planing. And so they're moving really in a flat direction across the water. And that's, that's how they generate their, their highest speeds and, and generate a wake that's a smaller wake that's not conducive for water skiing behind, you know, unless you're trying to jump the edges of the wake. Whereas a wake boat, as you said, is, is with, because of these ballast tanks that, that become very heavy when they're full of water, the boat is, is angled, uh, you know, with, with the bow pointing upwards a bit and the propeller wash um, which is essentially the, the, the water that's, that's, that's basically shoots out of the inboard propulsion system to make the boat go, shooting downward um, towards the lake bottom. And so in shallower waters, that propeller wash from a wake boat has been shown to create a lot of lake bottom disturbance that's greater than a conventional motorboat. Um, even operating at higher speeds. So, yeah, you can, you can think of the, the, the wake boat as creating a very large wake um, that's, that's large enough to, to ride a surfboard on or a wakeboard without a rope. Um, so the people who are, are fans of surfing, you can think of it as, as almost a never-ending wave that you're just, the, the, the boat generates this very large wake and you can surf behind the boat, you know, again, moving at slower speeds than 12 miles per hour without a rope. And so that's a much bigger wake than the one is, that is generated by a conventional uh, water ski boat. And then, as you said, the downward direction of the wake energy uh, is problematic for the lake bottom, the, the aquatic habitat that that creates, the, the sediment that's down there, then also the, the large wakes as they move away from the boat um, on, on smaller lakes and ponds can create shoreline erosion that is also greater than, than a conventional motorboat. So now that we're all caught up in, I guess, the physics of of these boats, I want to get a little history of this conversation. When did the conversation about wake boats start, and how did we get to these proposed rules we're talking about today? 
Sure. And I, you know, I think as the um, wake boat sector of, of the sort of motorized vessels industry has, has grown in popularity, they've begun to appear, you know, with, with greater frequency on Vermont's lakes and ponds. We, we estimate that less than 5% of, of the motor boats uh, in, in Vermont are classified as wake boats. But this segment, this segment of, of the motorized vessels industry is one of the fastest growing uh, around the country. And so, you know, I think I've heard that there's, there's wake boats on certain older models of wake boats have been in Vermont, you know, for at least uh, around 20 years, but it's definitely grown in popularity over the last five years. And I think in the last two or three years, DC, again, as the, as the custodian of the use of public waters rule, have received calls from Vermonters who are concerned about these, these boats that can generate larger wakes, the impact of those wakes on shoreline erosion, uh, the impact of the wakes on docks and other shoreline infrastructure, the impact of the wakes on people kayaking and paddleboarding or even swimming. And so those, those, those concerns started to appear with, with greater frequency. And I think it's fair to say that you know, sometime in 2021, um, the issue gained enough momentum where there was enough Vermonters uh, with concern in, in all different parts of the state that they that group uh, began to organize and eventually uh, submitted a petition uh, to the state requesting that we regulate wake boats under the use of public waters rule. And so that petition came into us in March of 2022, just about a year ago. And we can talk more about the, the review process that's happened since then. But, but I think it's fair to say that the, the sport has been growing in Vermont uh, over the last 10 years, and, and the concerns that have been expressed about it have been you know, more uh, visible, at least for us at the DEC, in the last three years. So what are the these uh, current proposed rule changes? And tell us, um, walk us through, I know there's three main ones, so walk us through them and what they mean. Sure, well, I'll start with, you know, when the petition came in, it was, it was a very complete and well-researched petition, uh, they, they had a, a number of principal concerns. Some of them I've mentioned already. They were concerned about the shoreline erosion created by wake boats. They were concerned about the potential for wake boats to disturb the, the lake bottom environment in, in shallower areas, uh, stir up phosphorus, which is contained in lake bottom sediments. And as you may know, we spend a lot of time uh, trying to um, limit phosphorus pollution into our lakes so anything that has the potential to exacerbate some of our, our phosphorus pollution issues in our waters is, of course, of concern. Um, you know, the third concern has to do with the safety issues. You know, if, if you're on a paddleboard and a wake boat um, comes by at close range, you, you might get knocked off your, your paddleboard. And then the fourth concern uh, has to do, as I mentioned, with transport of, of aquatic invasive species in the, in the ballast tanks, which have been shown to not be capable of being fully drained when the boat comes out of the water. So using those concerns, you know, the petitioners in included in their petition a proposed rule, which would have limited wake boats to lakes and ponds that have a 60-acre zone that is 1,000 feet from shore on all sides and at least 20 feet deep. And that would have really limited wake boats to about use on about 15 uh, lakes, ponds, and reservoirs in the state if if the rule that the petitioners had proposed was was enacted. So, so why not do that? Because I think that's a big concern for people is how close these wake boats can be to the shore. And some people are saying a thousand feet is what makes sense for Vermont and how we use our lakes. Sure, that's, that's a fair comment. You have to, the, the use of public waters rule has some, some pretty clear language that says 
if there is a use conflict, and, and we view this issue with, with wake boats and other users of our public waters as a use conflict, if there is a use conflict, it shall be managed in the least restrictive approach practicable that adequately addresses the conflict. And so what we did in our review of this petition is really looked at the science. We're lucky that some, some researchers have done scientific studies about the impacts of, of wake boats um, and, and, the, and how wake boat wave size compares to that of, of conventional motorboats. And we started from the point of departure that current law in Vermont says when you're 200 feet from shore, you're allowed to use a motorboat at you know, typical cruising speeds. And so what we are interested in is how far from shore does a wake boat have to be to have a, a wave, wave measured by wave height, wave power, and wave energy that's comparable to a conventional motorboat 200 feet from shore because that's the closest they're allowed to operate. And so there's a really influential study out of Minnesota. The University of Minnesota has a, a, a laboratory on a lake that did a study and what it found is that when a wake boat is between 425 and 600 feet from shore, and when that wake energy eventually hits the shore, it's equivalent to that of a conventional motorboat that's 200 feet from shore. And so what the evidence really shows is that you need a range between 425 and 600 feet from shore for a wake, from a wake boat, for a wave rather, from a wake boat to be similar to that of a conventional motorboat. And so we felt that using the, the guidance and the use of public waters rule, uh, which again is to, to re resolve these conflicts in the least restrictive manner possible, there really wasn't scientific evidence to support the thousand foot from shore offset that the petitioners requested. And really, you have to stay within that 425 to 600 foot range to have a scientifically defensible basis for your regulation. So using that, plus this principle of using the least restrictive approach possible, we landed on the, the 500 feet from shore as, as the draft distance from shore that a wake boat would require to, to operate. We also agreed with the petitioners that uh, you need a minimum depth of at least 20 feet because scientific evidence shows that anything shallower than 20 feet, you really will stir up that lake bottom sediment and disturb aquatic habitat. And then while the petitioners proposed a minimum zone of 60 acres, we started with the current rule, which is a, a lake has to be 75 acres in size and have at least 30 contiguous acres 200 feet from shore for a, to use a motorized vessel to use a motorboat so we said what's the justification to change from 30 to 60 and so we studied that and what we learned is that for for a wake boat run as i mentioned earlier the wake boats operate in these linear fashions for a wake boat run to be safe to be always 200 feet uh, from other boaters and still be in that zone of 500 feet from shore and 20 feet deep, you needed at least 50 acres. And so that's based on the actual analysis of, of Vermont lakes and ponds. And so that led us to our draft rule again, which is a bit different from the petitioners of having a 500 feet from shore offset, at least 20 feet deep, and that you have to have a zone of at least 50 acres. So that's, I've thrown a lot of numbers that you can Yeah, so let me just make that. sure that I got this right. And I'm just going to read the rules and just try to paraphrase what you just said, which was that wake boats, wake boats would only be allowed in lakes, ponds, and reservoirs with a minimum of 50 contiguous acres that are at least 500 feet from the shore on all sides and 20 feet deep. And that was number one. Number two is that wake boats must be 500 feet from shore at all all times while the engine wakes while the engine is in wake sport and the third yep. one is that a wake bow must stay in one lake per calendar year unless the boat is uh, decontaminated by a DEC approved entity um, did I get that right is that basically what we're talking about here 
Yeah, you're exactly right. There's three parts to the rules. I want to go to the lines, and I want to talk to Jim in Thetford. Jim, welcome to the show. Uh, yes, this is Jim in Thetford. Uh, I uh, teach sailing on uh, Lake Fairley in Thetford uh, at the Ohana Family Camp, which is one of the uh, five camps and, and one outdoor education center of the Aloha Foundation, where I was executive director from 2005 to 2015. I have a lot of experience on relatively medium-sized lakes, therefore. Uh, the the reasoning about uh, uh, least minimum uh, impact uh, is a bit faulty from what I just heard. Um, those of us who spend time on lakes spend time on lakes uh, several hundred feet from shore. Certainly when I'm sailing with a boat of children and adults, I'm quite a bit far from the shoreline itself. Uh, even small uh, water ski boats do a fair job of rocking a small sailboat with the people in it. I've experienced the wake boats on Lake Fairley and the waves that they set up can turn over a small sailboat, can turn over a canoe, can turn over a kayak, can even <clears throat> uh, manage to upset um, uh, one of those picnic boats. So uh, the thought that uh, we would have wake boats on Lake Fairley and Lake Maury, uh, endangering people who are in small craft is um, pretty uh, serious. And I would hate to see a situation in the future where somebody was either injured or worse uh, as a result of a wake boat operation. Jim, I hear you on that one. And I think safety is a huge concern for people, especially when it comes to these big wake boats and people aren't necessarily on the shore. Um, Oliver, how do you respond to the fact that people are recreating not on the shore, but hundreds of feet away from the shore that can affect, uh, that will have a big impact on wake boats? Yeah, I think what we want to we want to try to manage towards a situation where people feel safe uh, recreating on their lakes and that we're minimizing the, the potential conflict between different types of users. The, the public water rules do require us to maintain the appropriate mix of recreational activities, but, but safety is a very important consideration. When we reached out to the, the Fish and Wildlife Game Wardens and the Vermont State Police Marine Division to get some data on the, the types of incidents that the public had reported about wake boats, knocking them off um, paddle boards or, or kayaks or canoes, there was zero reports. Um, so there isn't a lot of evidence of the type of, of the problem that was just um, cited that's come into our, our law enforcement partners. Having said that, we, got, we did a lot of public comment about this rule, as you mentioned earlier, and there was plenty of anecdotal evidence that wake boats are, are causing problems for canoers and kayakers and swimmers who are you know, too close to the waves. So when we selected that 50-acre uh, zone plus 500 feet from shore, we're basically allowing for wake boats to be in that wake boat in in the wake sports zone, but always have at least 200 feet on any side to maintain that minimum distance from other users of those public waters. And if you look at the curve on wake height wake energy and wake power, it's really that first 200 feet that matters in terms of the, the energy and the, the characteristics of the wake dissipating. So we feel that by allowing a minimum of 200 feet 
from Wakeboat users and other users in, in the Wakesport zone, we're creating an environment for, for safe use. And then by prohibiting Wakeboats on lakes and ponds that are smaller than those cr criteria that we've talked about, which is, you know, over 770 out of the lakes, 800 you know, plus lakes and ponds, we're saying that on these smaller lakes and ponds where wake boats are not compatible with other uses, they will be prohibited. So really, that's, that's our approach, which has been developed very much with safety in mind. I now want to bring someone else into the conversation, and that's Jack Widness. He's a member of the Responsible Wakes for Vermont Lakes. Jack, welcome to the show. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate it. Now, Jack, you live on Lake Raponda in Wilmington. What has your personal experience been with wake boats? Well, Lake Raponda, to give you a little bit of reference, is 12 feet deep at its deepest spot, and it is 120 acres. Um, not a big lake. So my observations when I first saw them, uh, they're a large, powerful boat, um, and people were wake surfing behind them, as Oliver described. I said, gee, it looks like a lot of fun. Um, but then when the waves uh, approach shore, these waves are bigger than anything I'd ever seen. I lived there year round from any windstorm we'd ever had. These were very large waves. And so it's a close-knit community. I've talked to my neighbors and I wasn't the only one that was uh, unhappy with uh, what was happening with the wake boats. They caused damage to docks. Um, they upset, uh, as we heard uh, earlier, people that are on paddle boards, canoes, kayaks, and they have been capsized. Maybe they haven't called uh, you know, the uh, uh, individuals uh, responsible at, at the Vermont uh, Marine uh, Group, but I can assure you that these things happen. And as I uh, spoke to more neighbors, it became more and more clear that the vast, vast majority of people did not like these, and even individuals that generally would not like regulation, um, they think that something needed to be done. Uh, over the last three years, since or four years since we've had these, we've had algae blooms on our lake, and so that is another concern. It's not a one-to-one -one, uh, correlation. I'm not saying they definitely cause these, but it just seems interesting that this happens, and there is scientific evidence that in a shallow lake like Raponda, that the bottom can be disturbed, phosphorus can be generated, and this can be a, certainly a contributor to uh, algae blooms. So we're not happy with what we see at uh, Lake Raponda. So, Jack, you were one of among the first petitioners asking the state to do something about wake boats. The state has since tweaked the rules a bit from what the group first asked. What do you think about the current rule changes not being a thousand feet but being 500 feet that we just heard from oliver all right before i comment on that uh connor let me just say that uh, our group responsible waste is delighted that the dec sees the wisdom of what we included in our petition with virtually everything there we are very supportive and very encouraged by the things that oliver just explained because they seem obvious to us However, we do have a difference of opinion in terms of the distance. As you just noted, we recommended 1,000 feet from shore, and we believe it's based on science. And people can have honest disagreement, you know, what is the science that should be accepted and which shouldn't. Ours came down on 1,000 feet. 
I would tell you that we're not the only place in the United States that has believed that and believe that's what the science, if you go out to Wisconsin, there are some towns there where they recommended a thousand feet because they saw it as the science and they are much further than seven than uh, 500 feet as the DEC recommends. And it's a more nuanced situation of 500 versus a thousand feet minimum different. And I can list, you know, five differences if you like, um, that I think need to be taken into consideration uh, in addition to the science. Um, what, I guess, what would those be? Like, I, I guess I, I'm still trying to figure out like where the differing science is coming from. And maybe Oliver, this is a good chance for you to weigh in and figure this out. Sure. I mean, there's one study coming out of Quebec that shows that you need about 900 feet for wake boat energies to dissipate, but that's not to dissipate to our situation in Vermont. It's not to dissipate to the same wake height energy as a conventional motorboat that's 200 feet from shore, which is what's currently allowed under law in Vermont. That study that shows 900 feet is to dissipate to the equivalent of, of, of really of no wake. Um, so how far would a wake boat have to be from shore to really have, really have no impact? So we didn't want to use that study because it's not a, a, a good relevant example for Vermont. It's really apples and oranges. And I think folks need to remember that, as you said, what we're proposing for Vermont, an offset of, of 500 feet from shore, would be by far the most restrictive regulation on wake boats in the country, if not the world. There's some other states out of statewide that have regulated wake boats to a distance of 200 feet from shore, which we already have in place in Vermont for all our motor boats. So Jack's correct. There are a few towns in, in other parts of the country at that very small municipal level that have regulated wake boats more strictly. But at a statewide level, which is what DC is charged with, with regulating, there's really nothing on the books currently in the U.S. today greater than 200 feet. It's nice to see some other states moving in the same direction as Vermont. Michigan just did a study which recommended a 500-foot offset and a 15-foot depth, which is very similar to, to the rule that we've proposed. So as we look at you know, trying to maintain the, this principle of regulating use conflicts in the least restrictive manner possible and allowing for the appropriate mix of recreation in a safe manner, we think we've, we've found a rule that, you know, again, it's still in draft form and we still have many more steps to take before it's effective. But we think we found a rule that it's an appropriate balance of all the different concerns. I want to bring somebody, I want to bring another voice into this conversation, and that's Bruce Epstein. He's the president of the Green Mountain Water Skiers. Bruce, welcome. Hi, good to be here. So, Bruce, as president of the Green Mountain Water Skiers, what is your take on wake boats? Well, first of all, the Green Mountain Water Skiers support multi-recreational use. We also support the use of public waters rules, which creates a fair, a fair means of resolving conflicts. Um, I'm the president of the Green Mountain Water Skiers. I don't necessarily represent all our members, but I can tell you what my personal opinion is. I'm a retired professional engineer. I was an environmentalist with DEC, I've taken a good look at all the studies that I've found out there and tried to dig in and find out what I felt was really fair in this particular situation. First of all, uh, DEC has done, a, I think, uh, a great job in trying to come up with a solution here. And personally, the only thing I would have any disagreement with anything that all, Oliver is proposing here is that I feel that based on the data, that 300 feet might be more appropriate. I say that 
because if you take a look at the power of the wakes, uh, uh, if you compare them to, let's say, uh, a tournament water ski boat, which the St. Albans, excuse me, the St. Anthony Falls study in Minnesota does, and basically all the studies do, you come up with uh, 425 feet. There's also a study out there that shows that um, a wake height of 11 inches uh, would be sufficient at uh, 200 feet away to have to have the same sort of impact. So if you take a look at the data, uh, at 300 feet, uh, the largest wakeboard boat is at 10 inches, which is one inch below that. It's a couple inches more than you'd find on a typical water ski boat. Yeah, Bruce, I'm going to jump in here really quickly. And I just want to, earlier in this conversation, we had a caller talk about um, that a lot of people don't recreate um, right at the shore, that they recreate uh, several hundred feet out. How do you respond to their safety um, to all of this? Um, If you want to be 300 feet, some people are saying 1,000 feet. DEC is proposing 500 feet. You're saying 300 feet. How do you um, factor in the safety of your neighbors? Well, we're, I think I think the two hundred one has to understand that wakeboard wakes dissipate rapidly. I, Oliver testified to the fact that uh, when you take a look at wake power, you're talking four hundred twenty-five feet, but that's to shore not necessarily wake height. If you take a look at differential wake heights, even at 200 feet, you're not talking about a, a ginormous wake. And if you take a look at the zones that are being proposed, I'm not saying there shouldn't be a 50-acre zone, uh, 50 contiguous acres. What I am saying is that, that the 300 feet is more realistic for as far as environmental concerns are. I'm not saying... Ta- I think that the state police hasn't had any real complaints, as Oliver testified. And the idea of using the least restrictive approach is what the rules really require. So that's kind of where I'm coming from, is a least restrictive approach. The other thing that I think is noteworthy, we were deep, deeply involved with the use of public waters rules when they were enacted back in the 90s. And back then, back in those days, People wanted to kick water skiers off the water. So we do sympathize to a certain degree with wake, with wake boaters. However, we do recognize the need for regulation as well. So the question really becomes, I, I think, how do we get to a point where everybody's going to live together in, a, in an equitable manner? Absolutely. And we got an email and I can't find it right now, but it basically used the analogy that, you know, wake boats are basically like streetcars and that you don't drag race, you know, that legally drag racing isn't uh, isn't legal for a reason because of people's safety in mind and that the wake boats should be used in certain places that are safe for the general public. So getting back to this conversation of safety and what is right and what is safe, where do you land on this with wake boats? Well, it, it becomes a little more simplistic if you take a look at the use of public waters rules. And it, when this petition is drafted, it's supposed to be the least restrictive approach. So if there are conflicts that arise or safety concerns that arise, it can be addressed 
through the petition process. So the idea of, of the rule was not to make one shoe fits all. The idea was to lay a baseline by which if there is an issue, people can pet- petition, let's say, to restrict weight board boats. There are two methods that are used. One would be separation. One would be time of day. You could take a look at the time of day and say, okay, if, if it's crowded, we're going to separate by time of the day. Or you can separate by portions of a lake if necessary. That's, so, well, I, Bruce, we are running out of time, and I do want to hear some response from other people. That's Bruce Epstein, president of Green Mountain Water Skiers. Bruce, thank you so much, and I'm sorry to cut your time short. No problem. Thank you. Um, Oliver, um, when it comes to this public comment and what some of what Bruce was saying, um, how do pe- how are people weighing in? Yeah, we've had an overwhelming amount of comments since we, we opened the, the comment period in, in July of last year. We held two public meetings. We had a written comment period, and over 400 people weighed in uh, last year. Uh, and that was just to give us feedback on the petition. You know, and at that point, the overwhelming majority, well, I should say the majority was in support of some form of regulation. Maybe about 40% of the commenters felt that the, the proposed regulations in the petition were uh, too strict. It was an overreach, to use a quote, and that education was needed instead of regulation, whereas 60% felt that some form of regulation was needed, be it what was proposed in the petition or something a little bit less drastic. Um, so, Yeah, but we, if we break down those problem. numbers, I believe that I saw that same graph, and it was 43, I think, percent said that they didn't support the rules, but they supported, and then 11% supported some type of regulation. Correct. If we're just breaking down that graph correctly. Yeah, that's correct. So the the, the written comments to be to give the exact numbers: forty six percent opposed the petition, forty three percent supported the petition as written, and another eleven percent supported some form of regulation, perhaps different from was in the petition. So you had more than then. There's other commenters with different perspectives, but you had the majority of comments supporting some form of regulation from the written comments and our, our verbal comments were similar, but a bit more supportive of, of regulation. So we got very useful comments. We, we, we took those into consideration. There's a lot of folks down at the Harriman Reservoir, for example, who practice wake sports and pointed out that that's a, it's a reservoir. The water levels rise and fall there. There's, the shoreline is already degraded to some extent. It's quite rocky. It's a very large reservoir. So they were saying how they didn't believe that it was uh, made sense to regulate or prohibit, I should say, wake boats there, which is what the, the petition, had it been enacted as is, would have done. So those kind of comments were very influential. Fast forward to February of this year when we put out our, our draft regulation as summarized with the 500-foot shore offset, et cetera, um, we had a public meeting up in Greensboro, and we had over 60 people speak. You know, and it, once again, the vast majority was in favor of some form of regulation, and many of the commenters asked us to reconsider uh, the, 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 the distance from shore that was in the petition of, of 1,000 foot, uh, while others said, you know, you should use at least 600 feet because that's the minimum distance that's in the, the key study that you're, you're looking. So it was great to get all those comments uh, as recently as February. And as I said, we're finalizing the rule now and we're considering how to incorporate uh, some of those comments into our draft rule as we speak. But we are still in what's referred to, Connor, as, as pre-rulemaking and once we finalize our draft rule and finalize the list of lakes that are impacted, those that allow wakeboards and those that prohibit wakeboards, 
we then begin what's what's known as formal rulemaking, which is a whole other process. And before we get into that, I do want to hear from Jack. And Jack, do you see a, a world in which recreational, like kayakers, swimmers, and sailors can share the lakes with wakeboard with wake boats and wakeboard boats? Well, we do, and and that's what what our petition was about, and that's one of the reasons why we selected a thousand feet. You know, I would also, uh, to amplify what uh, Oliver just said, there were nearly two-thirds of the meeting at uh, Greensboro that recommended, you know, a thousand feet or more. That is no wake boating on lakes. So it was a, it was a, it was certainly a a majority and and close to two-thirds. But I think, Connor, there's some very important things that we haven't talked about that impact this thinking about 500 versus a thousand feet. As I said, we have a disagreement uh, with the DEC in terms of interpretation of the science, and we've included uh, many observations of uh, people who lives on that lake. And this is where the science comes from. It comes from observations. These have not been around for a long period of time. And so we've just had five or 10 years where we have the science. And I think, as you know, as science develops, there's yet to be items that we find that uh, expand this. So I think there's a lot more to be found about uh, out about science, and we don't know about this. For instance, the phosphorus uh, levels increasing after just a couple passes of these wake boats. And this leads us to what I think is a very important thing, and that is the statute recommends that the protection be for present and future generations. If we're going to be doing this for future generation, there's something called the precautionary principle that's very important. And that is when an activity raises threats to harm human health, precautionary measures should be taken, even if some of the cause and effect relationships are not fully established scientifically. I mean, this is done every day by the FDA, the EPA does that. We don't want uh, people to be harmed uh, and the environment to be harmed. And so this is our concern is that we don't have the science. It's relatively as much as we will have shortly. And so this precautionary principle, and it's up to the uh, ANR to protect for present and future generations what's going on. There's still certainly uh, a lot to um, be researched on there and a lot more discussion to be had. But Jack, that's Jack Widness. He's a member of the Responsible Wakes for Lakes. Jack, thank you so much for joining us and uh, sharing your thoughts and expertise with us. You're welcome. And um, Oliver, I want to go back to you. We're getting a lot of questions and comments about enforcement. And in the next 30 seconds, I'm wondering if you can just tell us what will enforcement or what could enforcement look like with these rule changes? Yeah, there'll be a, uh, the, the, the eligibility. So if someone brings a wake boat onto a wake uh, onto a lake or pond that's not eligible and that's reported to state police or fish and wildlife, they'll be able to respond and, and inform that user that, hey, you're not allowed to use a wake boat on this this water body. So I think that's a relatively straightforward part of, of the enforcement. The harder, the harder piece of enforcement is, am I in the wake sport zone or not? And so to get around that, we, we were going to develop digital maps that you can load into a smartphone that even without cell service, most smartphones have GPS now, a wake boat user can see when they're in the wake sport zone and when they're not, just by looking at their smartphone. And that they'll they'll know. Okay, now I know I'm in the wake sports zone. I can fill my ballast tanks and I can operate. And so we've been told by the wake sports practitioners and industry that these these boat owners want to do the right thing. They they want to try to comply with the rules. And so we hope that 
they will understand what, where the wake sport zones are in those eligible lakes and, and, and respect that and only operate their boat in wake sport zones, wake sport mode, rather, when they're, when they're in the right zone. I also want to bring somebody else into the conversation, and that's Candy Moot, member of the Pristine Lakes Group and Seymour Lakes Association. Candy, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be with you. Now, Candy, you live on Lake Seymour in the Northeast Kingdom. What has your experience been with wake boats? Well, we do have some wake boats on Seymour. Um, and I think you, what you'd hear from different people is different experiences in, in candor. Some have found them not to be responsible and some the opposite. So I think we've ha- had it both ways. Um, so think, but, what are your main concerns? Our main concern with this, um, and I have to say two things about um, the Jack and his folks at Responsible Wakes. They did um, a fantastic job putting the original petition together, very, very detailed. Um, he also, and I'm a former lobbyist for 30 years, and as such, I recognize a good lobby job. And I'll tell you, Jack did a masterful job at turning out his um, supporters for the recent hearing um, uh, in, um, in Greensboro um, relative to the 500 feet versus 1,000 feet uh, shore offset. But um, before I get to that, I want to. This hasn't been mentioned too much, and I appreci- so appreciate you folks putting the spotlight on this pro on this issue. But there's something now contained in the rule that our group called the Pristine Lakes Group came up with, and it's called the Home Lake Rule. And you got to remember, I think your listeners, we have, as we've said, over 800 lakes and ponds in the state, and wake boats are going to be precluded on all. Originally, it was all but 15 lakes, so that's a huge number of wake boats that we were fearful were going to be trailered to the 15 lakes in mostly in the Northeast Kingdom, mostly very pristine lakes like Seymour, um, where we have zero invasive species. And as Oliver said, these, these boats cannot empty, fully empty their ballast. And so the likelihood is very high that they will transport some sort of invasive species. So there is a home lake rule in place in the rule as it exists now, where in fact, for example, a wake boat owner on Seymour would get a sticker for his or her boat that says Seymour. And so that person could um, use their boat on Seymour. But if somebody wants to come from some other lake, I don't care whether it's Echo or Salem or any other lake, um, our greeters, who are the people who are at the boat access and who check the boats, would not would tell that person that they are not allowed their boat to come on to Seymour. So you're really worried about invasive species being transferred from one lake to another lake and specifically your lake? We were. And when you look at the data on that, I think all would agree. um, It's pretty frightening what's happened to all our lakes and ponds. And there's really only a small number of us in the state that still are what anyone would call pristine. So that's been our major concern. Um, I think with the new rule, as it stands right at this moment, there are now 30 lakes out of 800 that would host wake boats. 31 Uh, inland lakes. So I think that that the exemption is Lake Champlain and Lake Memphremagog, which are border lakes. Right. So that's the, those are the, you're right, the inland lakes. So the reason we Seymour Lake Association supports the 500 feet or 600 feet versus a thousand is that besides the fact that we feel it's scientifically defensible, 
We have felt a tad thrown under the bus by the original petition um, because our concerns about transport of invasives were not even considered or certainly were not included in the original uh, rule. Candy, I'm going to cut you off. I'm so sorry we're running out of time, but I really do want Oliver to respond to that. That's Candy Moo, sure. member of the Pristine Lakes Group and Seymour really? Lake Association. Candy, thanks so much. Oliver, yeah. how do you respond to uh, members feeling thrown under the bus? Well, I, I think Candy's point was that the, the original petition didn't adequately address the aquatic invasive species transport risk. Uh, that wake boats create. And so what, what the group that Candy uh, is a part of, the Pristine Lakes group did, which was really helpful, was in their comments said, hey, how do we minimize that risk? And they helped us come up with this home lake rule concept, which was a great addition to what was in the petition. So again, the value of, of public consultation really played out here. So I, I think we ended up adding this, this home lake rule provision where if you, if you either keep your wake boat on your home lake and you can't spread aquatic invasives if you're just in one place, or if you want to go from, let's say, Seymour Lake over to Lake Memphremagog and then come back to Seymour, you'd have to get your boat decontaminated at a registered DEC service provider, which will be part of the public outreach we do, listing those service providers around the state when we when we pass this rule. So it's a great addition. It minimizes the risk of aquatic invasive species. And transport. Oliver, um, I just want to I just want to know for our listeners, um, what's next in terms of what our listeners and what people in Vermont can expect. To, to finalize our rule and then initiate formal rulemaking. There's a couple of committees we have to present the rule to, one representing the administration, one representing... And there will be one more round of, of public meeting or public meetings, depending on the interest, as well as an opportunity for written comment. And we will respond to all those comments that come in. So I, I encourage folks to keep their eyes on their webs on the DEC website, the Lakes and Ponds page, We'll provide a lot of information about um, the, the, the hearing when that's scheduled, the opportunity for written comment. And we hope to get this rule in place you know, sometime later this year. And if, if it's too late to take effect this summer, it would take effect for the next boating season. So as, as you said, we're only, believe it or not, we're only a few months away from boating season, which usually begins around Memorial Day. So we may not see any regulations take effect. That's until- Oliver Pearson. Sorry to cut you off, but we do have we are on time. Uh, Lakes. That's Oliver Pearson, Lakes and Ponds Project Manager with the Vermont Department of Environmental Conservation. Thank you so much, and sorry to cut you off today. Thank you for having me. No problem.